I'm Lazarus Gromos and welcome to the Back Peg. And this week's edition is edition five or episode five. Yes, we keep uh, churning out the episodes. It's great to have another guest with us this week. It's a very interesting one, particularly this week with the news that's come out regarding Manchester City. Yeah, no, great, um, great to have Kieran Maguire join us, who is co-host of the Price of Football podcast, which is a really, uh, a really good podcast to uh, have listened to. You know, it's all over financial fair play and and all that kind of accounting stuff. So, uh, no, it's good to have him on. And joining us on this week's episode of The Back Peg, it's a pleasure to welcome one of the hosts of the Price of Football podcast, the University of Liverpool lecturer, Kieran Maguire. Kieran, thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, you've, you've got me on a good week. Yeah. Yes. It's <laughs> never a, busy a dull man. week. <laughs> but this week's been crazy. The best yes, week of all. I, I can imagine you've done a thousand interviews this week. So thank you for taking the time out to join us here down in the Antipodes. And just straight away, stuck into it, Manchester City. That was the big news Monday night, Tuesday morning, your time, or Monday morning, I should say. And just give us a brief run through. Is it as serious as everyone's making it out to be? Um, potentially. The, the, the repercussions could be very serious. Yeah, one one way of looking at it, it's it's similar to, to a member of parliament fiddling their expenses. Um, but there's probably a couple of zeros added. Uh, 115 <laughs> charges. From the Premier League, going back to 2009. So, if these charges are upheld and Manchester City are found guilty, it's effectively saying that Manchester City have systematically uh, manipulated their financial results in order to gain a financial advantage, and therefore you could say potentially a sporting advantage, um, which would first of all make the position of the people on the board of directors. Untenable. Yeah, you know, they they would have zero credibility. Um, and secondly, it will certainly give fans of other clubs an opportunity to, uh, at the very least, uh, go go to their nearest stationery store and buy lots of asterisks to to put next to Manchester City's trophies. So uh, yeah, it, it is it, it is serious. Um, the, the whilst there's 115 charges, I think we can probably narrow it down to three main issues. First of all, the accusation that Manchester City have have disguised money from the owner by pretending that it's sponsorship income. And the reason why that's important is that owner money doesn't count towards financial fair play, or rather only a, only a small amount of it does. Sponsorship money does. So uh, by taking this approach, it allows Manchester City to, to keep within the financial fair play limits. Secondly, uh, and, and this is pretty damning stuff if it proves to be true, that Manchester City have been employing people on what you might call parallel or phantom contracts. Uh, So in respect of uh, Roberto Mancini, he he is alleged to have had a contract for 1.45 million sterling uh, paid by Manchester City. But he was also, uh, he also had a job at the same time. Now, we have people having two jobs yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, for 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 1.75 million for another club uh, based in Abu Dhabi, uh, which required him to do four days' work a year. So yeah, that that doesn't look very equitable on the face of things. You, you know, but at the same time, you can say, well, look how much money Cristiano Ronaldo's earning in in Saudi. Yeah, that that doesn't seem very logical. Uh, and the third accusation accusation is that uh, Manchester City have been 
and, and we see this at football matches every single week. It's the equivalent of uh, they're one nil up, so they take the ball into the corner, so, uh, you know, into the corner area, um, and, and shield it uh, for the last two or three minutes. So the Premier League has accused uh, Manchester City of deliberately uh, delaying the the progress of the commission or, or the investigation. That's a pet hate of mine in the game where they take the ball into the corner. <laughs> Well, I, I, yeah, because I, I often get asked if I could change one rule in football, what would it be? And and I would say that if anybody keeps the ball near the center, near the corner uh, flag for for more than three seconds, you're allowed to kick them, and it's within the rules. Go, even when my type team's doing it, I go, I just, this, this isn't football. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's what it was good to see in the in the last World Cup, the um, the stoppage time increase, and that kind of took that right out of the game which is great yeah. to see but um back back to the Manchester City question is this the most brazen flaunting of the rules that you've seen across European football would um, like give well, well, well first of all the, these these are charges so innocent until proven guilty sure. uh, um, um yeah yeah I've, I've done 27 shows since this broke <laughs> um and uh, I, I've speak I speak to sports lawyers on yes. a regular basis, they tell you that, so, oh, yeah, it's all alleged. So with this, all, yeah. So, so we, we we have to say, um, I don't necessarily think so. Uh, mm. We've we've got clubs that have been involved in shenanigans. You have to look and see what happens at Juventus. Mm. You know that they that they they claimed that they were not paying players and they were paying players. So, uh, so they've had a points deduction. Um, it, it happens that there are certain leagues in Europe, I won't name them, but I can tell you what the result is going to be on Saturday today. So, think- you know, there are issues in football which are well known about, but the authorities either can't or won't investigate yeah. um, on, on a on a more detailed level because it's, it's a case of gathering together evidence. Um, th- these charges go back to 2009. I mean, I, I, I look at the books of all the clubs mm-hmm. and... I looked at Manchester City's uh, sponsorship income in 2012. It mm-hmm. trebled. So it went from 40 million to 120. The Premier League did nothing. Premier League just sat on its hands. So yeah. it, it, if it's going to come across as, oh, yeah, we are, we are a fine and upstanding body, why has it sat on its ass for so long when at the very least you would have thought they might have gone, it's, it's a big increase. Um, so... Yeah, 115 charges looks very damning. A lot of them are repeat charges. A lot of them are are very pedantic technical issues. Um, but if Manchester City are found guilty, um, then first of all, you know, I think the board of directors at the very least has to resign. Um, and, and then we come to the issue of um, what is an appropriate tariff. And th- there's an independent commission of of people with brains the size of planets on it. You know, they're, they're, some of the, they're some of the smartest legal and financial minds in the country will be asked to attend. Um, and uh, we will see how that goes. Because it's my understanding that this investigation went on for three or four years and it was often something that went into the background. We didn't hear anything for weeks and months. But if it is a four-year-long investigation, are we sure that there hasn't been further infringement since this investigation started? Um, no, I, I, I think that there are question marks about Manchester City. You've only got to look 
at they've they've got a deal with something called Eight X Bet, um, which is a Asian based gambling sponsor. But uh, I, I would I would I would encourage people to to read the page. There's there's a, there's a really good I think it's Norwegian investigative uh, sort of online newspaper called Josimar. Um, and when you read the stuff about Eight X Bet, there you go that just looks very suspicious yeah that was very and to be fair they're not the only club that have been associated with um unusual uh sponsors especially from the the gambling and crypto areas but it, but it's difficult getting hold of the information because we've got premier league clubs that are registered in the cayman islands in the british virgin islands in the bahamas now why you know if, if you're if, if you're a fine upstanding football club why are you being associated with uh, with with places which are famous for being tax havens and opaque destinations for money? So it, it all looks very, very, uh, you know, very, very good. And, and, and the trouble is that you know, I, I started a podcast three and a half years ago where I, I do it with a stand up comedian. And we were introduced to each other and we said, this is this is going to last for three or four weeks because we are run out of material. Um, and nobody's going to listen. And we're now doing two, three hours of material a week. Um, it's and it's every week. And and there's there's horrible stories. Mm. Uh, we love the game. We hate the industry. Yeah, and it, and it's it, it's it's a sad thing because there's so much good in football. Uh, so uh, if, if Manchester City are guilty, then then throw the book at them. Um, but how long that's going to take? I know one of the the UK's leading sports lawyers yesterday was quoted in the time saying he reckons it'll be two to four years so i think we'll uh yeah i'll, I'll retire by the time <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. so yeah yeah so curious and just yeah, i'll sorry. go on Les. no 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 nothing you're on so just on the range of potential punishments that are applicable here potentially applicable and as my understanding there is the widest range imaginable there is no nothing off the table but a lot of talk about titles being stripped, relegation, massive points deductions. I know you're not an expert in sports law, but are those really from the realms of possibility as in terms of punishment? Or is it just the worst case scenario? It's not actually going to happen. It's probably going to go down as a fine. Kieran, he's asking as a Manchester United supporter here, full disclosure. Right? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> for him. Right. My 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 gut reaction is that a fine will be treated as a laughable punishment, given that the owners of the club are richer than God. Yep. Um, retrospective uh, adjustments, taking titles away, it, it didn't happen in respect of Rangers Football Club when the club went into liquidation. Um, it didn't happen when Juventus were, were kicked out of La Liga. Um, so my, my, my feel would be, if they're guilty of all of 115, yeah, 25, 30 point deduction, you know, something like that, to, to show the severity of the offence. Kicking them out of the Premier League, well, where do they, you know, the, the, the trouble is the Premier League and the EFL are independent bodies. So, mm. you know, where do they go? Because the, the EFL is under no obligation to um, accept them. And, and that creates uncertainty. And, you know, by all means, make, you know, punish the owners in some way. But, you, but you've also got to remember, yeah, Manchester United for, for many years has been the, the biggest private sector employer in Manchester. Well, Manchester City aren't that far behind. So if, if you if you kick out Manchester City, it, it'll actually be the people that work in in the back office. It will be the 
you know, there'll be there'll be lots of job losses um, for what ultimately would have been the inappropriate behaviour by executives. And the, the executives, they'll be fine. You know, they'll they'll just wander on off to another job, or they, they, they'll they'll be retire thinking of retiring. They'll take early retirement. So I, th I think we we have to be careful in in deems of what's appropriate. I, 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 yeah, what, what what's the point of awarding other clubs titles? Um, it, it, because everything becomes tainted there. So it, it think, does, and just on that, because yeah. as a Manchester United supporter, for mine, I I'm not interested in those titles. City can keep mm. them, and we wake up one day. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a Premier League manager. Not interested. Leave it there. Leave it on the scoreboard as a reminder as to what can happen if the rules get pushed beyond right. the limit. But let me pose this for yeah. a second. Let me pose this for a second. If it can be, and I think it's a pretty loose tie, right? But allegedly, if it could be proven that Manchester City was able to gain the an advantage, a, an unfair advantage on the field because of their their um, administration. Um, capabilities to be able to do whatever they did. If they can make that nexus between those two areas of the of the operation, so hey, we're deliberate. Allegedly, we're deliberate. You know, we're deliberate in our ways that we're managing this, be it the revenue or whatever the case is. And this has a direct uh, influence on the results on the field. I think that th there's an argument there with regard to actually retrospectively take those titles that were that were earned that were won off them. And I'm not a, and I'm not a you know I'm not a Liverpool supporter. I'm not a Manchester United supporter. Right. Right. Um, Newcastle have been too far off for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Man Manchester City went and signed the likes of Rubinho and Joe. Mm. They were crap. So you know, having more money to sign crap players mm. um, doesn't necessarily give them an advantage on the pitch. I mean, I think I think there's a much there's a much broader issue to be discussed with yep. regards to some clubs having advantages over others because it. it Manchester City were a disruptor, and I'm not. I'm, I'm look. I'm a Brighton fan. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, we were in League One at the time. It, no, it's no impact mm. on us. Mm. Um, but the Premier League had before Roman Abramovich. The Premier League was boring because it was won by Manchester United most years and Arsenal about one year in every three, every four. Mm. Um, why? Because Manchester United had a financial advantage over the other club because they had a bigger stadium and you know they they were able to pay more wages. So. I think there's a much there's a much broader issue, and, and then Chelsea came along with Hunter Abramovich, and they were a disruptor. And Mansour came along uh, with with Manchester City and became another disruptor. And all of a sudden, you had a more competitive Premier League. And do I do, if Manchester City are cheated? I think they yeah. I I say you know, points deduction. I think going forwards because re retrospective things, it, it 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 doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, sure. Um, but you, I think there's, there's a case for saying the Premier League would not be as rich as it is today had it not been for Abramovich and Mansour making it a more unpredictable, um, a more competitive product than it was before they arrived. And that means that all the clubs, including Manchester United, including Newcastle, including Brighton and Hove Albion, you know, all the clubs to which we have an affection, we've all benefited indirectly mm. from those those owners coming in, so that's that's a positive. Negative. If they cheated, treat them then they deserve punishment. So the question that I have now is just with regards to the independent commission, and there's been a lot of calls for it in the UK. It's something that a, a lot of countries have independent sporting bodies, um, independent of government, but 
you know, appointed by government but independent of the government to oversee sporting activities. How do you see such a body in the UK, uh, you know, adapting to football and, and adopt, you know, trying to control football in this case? Well, um, the Premier League is uh, ideologically opposed to it, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why the charges were released on Monday, because the uh, the white paper, the, the proposed legislation, was due to come out this week. And then, yeah, the, I'm not party political, but sure, this country is a bit of a this country is a bit of a joke at present. Yep. Um, as far as our political leaders are concerned, so there was a there was a cabinet reshuffle um, earlier this week, which meant that we got a new minister. I think we've right. had something like 12, 12 ministers in thirteen years in respect of sport. Sure. Um, the the aim is to stop the excesses. You know, the the, the the opponents to the regulator say, can you guarantee that there'll be no more financial scandals um, in sport? And the answer to that is, of course, no, because we have a we have an oversight body in respect of the world of finance. Well, you know, banks are still up to their old tricks. We've got one in respect of energy, uh, but we've just had a scandal in the UK this week with regards to um, some of the energy companies uh, breaking into people's houses to to, to fit pay as you go meters. Yeah, so it, it's not it's not going to stop things, but it, it can turn the dial down a bit and. It's, it will act a bit like a burglar alarm. I if you've got some if you've got a burglar walking down the street and there's three houses and one of them's got a burglar alarm, you'll probably go to one of the other houses. So for, for the scumbags, for the the tire kickers, for the you know devious little toe rags that have impacted negatively about football, they, they might go elsewhere. And and that's all that we can hope for. Um you know, the, the 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 aim of the regulator is, is a bit like to be the aim is to police the game. The police don't stop crimes taking place. Mm. So um, that's the aim. We, we've got to make sure that it's cost effective. We don't, I don't think because you know, I'm 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 not a, I'm not in favour of regulation for regulation's sake. Sure. Uh, but if it turns down the dial, if it disincentivizes inappropriate football from getting involved in the game, then it it, it will have helped, and that and that's all it can do. It can't it, it can't eliminate problems in football and yeah at the end of the day there's still going to be three teams relegated from the premier league whether you have a regulator or not and therefore you're still going to have three sets of pissed off fans <laughs> at the end of the season, who, who will be who, who will be moaning about the, the owners who will be moaning about the manager correct um so there's there's sort of a, a romantic view that it's going to cure all the problems that's nonsense mm. and there's um a libertarian view that all regulation is bad well in my view that's also nonsense and and the answer is as in most things in life is is somewhere in between the, the two extremes something to come into football to solve all our problems sounds a lot like var when that was being introduced <laughs> <laughs> just one more um, on that oh, sorry just one more on that right in that in that vein and you mentioned before um hearing about the premier league in 2012, right, and not actually looking at an obvious red flag, saying that you know the Man City sponsorship had you know basically gone up uh, threefold, yeah. right? The Premier League isn't absolved of responsibility, surely, in this case, seeing that they've allowed the, this to progress, and we assume that they have an audit committee or they they've got something in place to oversee 
elig- you know the financial eligibility criteria of these clubs. Yeah, it, 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 the Premier League, del- in my view, deliberately announced these charges in order to try to discredit um, the the government's proposals. In Australia, uh, there would have been a press conference about that held by the by the actual body itself to announce it. They would have been, done a huge song and dance about it. It's just crazy to see it's just done by press release. Yes, and they didn't even tell Manchester City. Now, if you've been working <laughs> with, with, with somebody for four years and exchanging data and exchanging information, um, and, and what we have seen is that when the, when the English Football League has announced that it has an investigation or charges against one of its member clubs, both parties announce a press release simultaneously. They say, the EFL will say, well... This club's in in breach of these rules, blah, blah, blah. The commission's going to take place. We're going to say nothing more until, until the commission's reached its conclusions. And the club will say, we note that the EFL is now this. We are going to defend uh, our position. Uh, we, we feel that we are, we will be aimed, we will be exonerated. And there's an element of not cooperation, but acknowledging the existence of the other party. Manchester City, the first thing that they knew in respect of these charges was when they read it on the Premier League website. Um, and the Premier League, uh, there's there's a Premier League comms uh, Twitter feed, where it wasn't on that. So you know, it just sort of appeared on the website and the first, you know, one of the journalists picked up on it. And at the same time, Manchester City was served papers by uh, the Premier League. So I, I think that shows the level of hostility between the two parties in terms of where we are. And it it, it doesn't reflect well. You know, Do you think it Man- might be the case that the Premier League are trying to reduce the blow, the severity of the impact that this story and this situation can have on the league? Because I look to say Italian football in the 90s and the 2000s, the difference between pre and post Juventus and the all the issues that went on off the field. Do you think something like this might have a significant impact on the Premier League as an organisation, as a sporting entity? No, no, um, because it, they're sort of, they, they, they operate in their own bubble. They're, they're, they're oblivious. They, got, no, they don't understand fans. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Brighton fan. Ne- next week, and, it, and, it, and the match is off now uh, because of uh, Newcastle reaching the, the League Cup final. Mm. But but next week, yeah, Br- Brighton to Newcastle is, is probably around about 500 kilometres. Um, and the Premier League thought it was a really good idea for that match to take place at 12.30 on a Saturday. Yeah. So, and they say, well, yeah, oh, yeah, we, we and, then, and, and then you get the, well, we do take into consideration uh, the impact on fans. Okay, well, if you do take it into consideration, why haven't you done anything about it? Why, what, you know, the, the, the reaction of the Premier League when, when the broadcasters uh, arrange matches like this, and you know, um, you know, I appreciate Newcastle is one end of the country, Brighton's yeah, at the other. That's right. You you say, well, well, perhaps we could arrange it for five thirty. Yeah, we make it five thirty. <laughs> you know, and, and I know it make it more difficult home, but at least it gives you a chance to get there. Um, but yeah, the, the Premier League, when when this is announced, their their, their response is grab your ankles, you know, and just take it. <laughs> uh, and on that note, Kieran. We want to thank you for your time. You've been absolutely brilliant. I know it's been a huge week for you and you've been everywhere, but uh, we really appreciate you uh, joining us on the back peg um, and uh, joining, you know, Australian podcast. Uh, You know, we're uh, honoured to have you. So um, thank you again for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thanks for the invite. And uh, we'll... uh... 
we'll see Newcastle, Manchester United and Brighton in Europe next season. That's it. That's it. That's what we want. Good chance and of that. We'll, and we look forward to having you on again in the future if, uh, if, that's, if that'd be good. Yeah, sound. Yeah. All the best, guys. How good was that? Brilliant. Brilliant. Was that? Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, I'll tell you what, the first five minutes or so, like, because I've listened, I listen to the podcast every week. Mm. It's because it's just him talking to me effectively. Yeah. For yeah, it is yeah. For an hour every week, maybe twice a week. Yeah. And it, it's just the first five minutes or so, a little bit starstruck because I'm the one who's got to talk to him this week. <laughs> <laughs> and we should mention that, um, that Kieran is, uh, Kieran Maguire is on the Price of Football podcast. Um, yeah, great podcast. Great podcast. So, yeah, no, look, uh, great to have Kieran on. Absolute pleasure. And he's uh, a, a great character, extremely knowledgeable. There isn't probably anyone better in, in the English-speaking world with regard to the finance of, uh, of football. And, um, yeah, no, really good, really good get. So, uh, top stuff. Thank you, Nathan. That was really good. That was all your work. All credit to you. I'll <laughs> uh, pull back brilliant. the curtain a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, look, we, you know, nothing. Absolutely, hundred percent. But uh, yeah, essentially, I was just uh, messaging people to see if uh, they fancy coming on, putting the feelers out there. This was a couple of weeks ago now, and I thought, uh, well, Kieran was said, Kieran got back to me and he said, yeah, sure, I'll come on yeah. at some and, point. And to and our luck, I thought, Manchester City bro. <laughs> this week is the perfect week to get Kieran on a, on an incredible. episode. So incredible! Uh, all credit to Kieran for coming on, and uh, he's been a busy man, as he said, twenty seven episodes or twenty seven shows this past week. So, and uh, he, he'll be uh, he'll be someone who's hotly in demand for weeks to come. Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. Laz, what caught your eye this week? The oh, just yeah, there were a couple of things actually. There were a couple of things. Um, look, obviously the Manchester City story dwarfs everything. Um, and so it's hard to say that, you know, that's not eye-catching. It is, right, in, in terms of um, football. Uh, seems that um, no one's paying attention to the FIFA World Club Cup, actually. <laughs> is that on? <laughs> yeah, that's on. That's on. So that did catch my eye being a Real Madrid supporter. But um, Hey, by the way, that's going. It might be the only trophy you win this season. Hey, 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 no need for that. Listen, Barcelona is set to implode at some point later <laughs> on this season. Not worried about that. But um, the National Second Division. Mm, yes. Declarations long lost. applications welcome, finally. Mm, uh, it's It's been a long time coming. And look, we all want to see a National Second Division and it's been an important uh, bridge in Australian football between the current setup and the and the A-Leagues, MPL and the A-Leagues. But uh need to get it right because there's so many ways and so many fail points for installing a, a, a new league like this. And there's a lot of question marks that need to be addressed. Yeah, I agree with you, Nathan. I think what we need to do as a game is perhaps step very slowly into this. Yes, we recognise that the game's unique selling point is promotion relegation, right? No other sport actually does that aside from rugby league in the UK as well. So it's a cultural mm. thing, but it's definitely um, um, it's definitely unique to football. And you can see that, um, you know, the MLS are even thinking about it and how that ties in with the um, with the USL over there. And 
how that's um, going to play out in uh, the next decade. So, yeah, it's it's something that we, we need to get right. It's got to be sustainable. I think the Champions League approach to it might be the way to go initially because I don't know how many clubs uh, are going to be able to fork out the um, the application fee and also put up, um, you know, and be able to fund what their requirements. So, I mean, they're pretty stringent requirements at, at this stage so early, I, I would have thought, but legitimate as well for that matter. Well, you got to have, you know, staff uh, that are working off the pitch for at least a year full-time. Likewise, you know, your playing roster has to be on professional contracts, fully professional contracts for the whole year, not just the playing season. Um, and I noticed that they've already started that in Melbourne, actually, or in Victoria, I should say, in the MPL in Victoria. So I'm not sure how many clubs in Sydney or if that's the case in South Australia and in Queensland, but, you know, they want somewhere between 10 and 16 clubs. So Yeah, I think that's the ideal sort of range, somewhere around... Obviously, that's a wide enough range so you can get enough or uh, accommodate as many that sign up. But ideally, you want somewhere around 12 and 14. Then you have a, a long enough season without being too short or too long, depending on how many rounds of matches you do. But that's the thing. Is there enough financial backing, enough interest from the general public? Is there enough to be generated here to support a national second division and avoid it becoming, that's it'll be often referred to as MPL on planes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. the phrase that keeps getting that uh, that's yeah, keep, yeah, keeps getting it, thrown around. I've, mm. I've heard it bandied around a couple of other places as well, for sure. Um, yeah, look, and and there's also the other thing of with regard to A League expansion and how if okay if we're using this as a catalyst towards promotion and relegation, well then how does expansion come into it? And because I can tell you that if you are trying to enter a team into the A League. As an expansion, you want to have guaranteed tenure for a period of time. I mean, otherwise, what is the license worth? Yeah, exactly. And the other question is as well, if we open it up to a promotion relegation that say, for instance, Brisbane Raw got relegated and the Lions didn't come back up to replace them, you've lost one of the major markets in Australia. And can Australian football afford to lose Queensland as a market? No. The answer is no. So I can't see how promotion relegation would ever really work given that it is so well given that Australia's population it's pretty concentrated amongst the big cities you don't have smaller um, towns and cities ready to take up a top flight sporting club and support them both financially and in the stands mm. so if Brisbane got relegated if a Phoenix got relegated or Adelaide United for instance or Perth even any of those one club towns or one club cities it doesn't sit right with me that you know Australian football would close itself off at the top level. You could make it work this way, perhaps, with the promotion relegation. And look, really, we are, we're talking... Okay, so the kickoff of the uh, National Second Division is uh, mooted for March 2024. The promotion relegation into the A-League, I'd say, from what I understand and have heard previously, would probably need to be, or like with licences and what have you, would be 2035 from memory. So you're talking about... Yeah, because the, the current licence agreement does Correct. expire think, after 2034. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was 2035. Yeah, 2034. That sounds about right. So you're talking about a decade. Now, how quickly are these... And we're talking... There's a lot of chatter around Auckland and Canberra being, 
you know, being um, uh, coming in. Expansion uh, locations. Expansion locations, that's the word I'm looking for. It's been a long day, so <laughs> 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 I'm losing my words. But, yeah, expansion locations, right? So I'll, uh, The thing yeah. is, but with that, that, that got announced on the same day as the grand final decision. And I'm... Because I must have missed that in amongst all the hullabaloo. <laughs> yes, those they did put out the talk that Auckland and Canberra were the ones in line to um, come in as the next expansion clubs to the Air League. That was the afternoon of the morning that they announced right. the grand final they, to be played in a, Sydney. But that's been around for ages, though. No, but that was the last time it popped its ah, head. Okay. Yep, it was sure. it was on that day. Yep. And for mine, I think they would have seen the backlash to the grand final decision. And oh shit, what's the topic that everyone loves to talk about? Uh, expansion. expansion. <laughs> um, um, Canberra. Canberra's um, got to get clubs, Canberra. Two clubs, Canberra. two clubs, two clubs. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's clamoring for Canberra. Yes. All right. What else can we do? Uh, Auckland. Yeah, done. Send that out. And Auckland, then we can uh, everyone will move on from the grand final decision. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, look, we've been at Auckland before, right? And it didn't work. It didn't work. But maybe it can work this time around, right? Let's see. Right. If there's appetite for it, great. The thing is, where else would you put above Auckland? For mine, if you're bringing Canberra as one as a lock, and I think we both agree that Canberra needs to be one of the next two clubs. Canberra. You yeah. can't do Wollongong at the same time. No. It's too close and too soon. Maybe Tasmania, maybe another team from Queensland, but the Gold Coast hasn't worked previously. Neither did the Fury up further north. I don't think there's too many options that are jumping out now that we've got another Sydney club, another Melbourne club, it definitely won't be in the major markets. So it would be smaller teams, the the next clubs to come in. So Auckland, Tasmania, and I'm also hesitant to put another club in Adelaide, Perth or Brisbane. Brisbane more so than, I would go Brisbane before Adelaide. But look, I mean, I hark back to the NSL days and you had two successful clubs, right? Uh, Adelaide City and West Adelaide back then, which were holding more than holding their own. So, yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where what what I was going to suggest with regards to having markets and, and taking this approach would be, let's say that Brisbane Rule were to get relegated, right? So and and so you'd have to do this. So there would have to be a market protection plan that everyone would have to sign off on. And what I mean by that is there must be a team in the A League. Must be a team from Brisbane, and must you know must be two teams from Sydney, at least something of that nature, because you you need to have so Brisbane gets relegated, then Brisbane City or Lions or Brisbane Olympic would come in, right, and take their spot. Whoever won the NPL in Brisbane or in Queensland, for that matter, you can segment protect a market. You know what I mean? Is it ideal? No, but hey. It could happen, but look, the national second division is is you know going to be kicking you know, be kicking around for a little while now. So I think in June uh, the EOIs are um, due to be submitted. So yeah, we'll just watch this space for that because it's a huge development. And I wonder if there's going to be anything with regard to uh, the women's game as well. I don't know. Well, the women's game is always an afterthought, so they'll probably get two years into the second division before they think, oh wait, hang on, we, could, we should probably do one for the women's division too. Mm. Yeah. Ah, and yes, but uh, to your point on segment protecting, I don't particularly like that either as a solution because what happens if, say, the Brisbane Lions, they're the sixth best team in the second division, 
but because it was Brisbane Raw who got relegated, they're the ones who come up. Yeah, no, I get. I, look, I, th- I, I think I agree, that would yeah. just lead to a yo-yo. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Mm. Uh, look, there's merit in what you're saying, but there's also, you know, we've I got understand to the point that yeah, you, you need your biggest markets in the national competition. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's a that's one of the massive hurdles for ProRail to get over for it to be implemented here because, yeah, yeah. as we we're saying earlier, I can't imagine. And a situation where Brisbane go down, we have no team from the third biggest mm. city in the country. You'd be too young to remember this. In fact, you probably weren't even born when this happened, right? The <laughs> NSL in the 80s used to have a northern division and a southern division, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that this is actually... This is before I was born. Yes, this is before... Yes, we can... I'm happy to... <laughs> listen, right? <laughs> You're going to make me swear now, right? No, there's no need for it, right? <laughs> I mean, we can go, you know, the explicit rating. I don't give Oh, a you're shit. a bastard. Right. Now, listen here. <laughs> um, yeah, look, yes, it did happen before you were born, right? But the what you can do is split the league. And why not have a northern division and a southern division or a northern conference and a southern conference and do something of that nature? Probably east and you know, west would be ideal. Well, mate, the West is, you know, yeah, look, you could possibly do that as well. I mean, just you know, thinking of flight yeah, costs, like if yeah, you got. Sure. Yeah, but yep. even then, that sort of feeds into the NPL on planes cliche. Correct, correct, correct. Because 100%. if you're splitting it up into two, three, four conferences, mm. then what's really the difference apart from players being paid around the clock? Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yep. that look, anyway, we look, both we both want a national second division to come into Australia. Oh, There's just oh, so many question look, marks. Yeah. Everybody, well, I think everybody that's involved in the game or has an interest in the game wants a national second division. Um, but yeah, it's just something that we're going to have to uh, take it a step at a time and see what happens. See what happens. But uh, yes, can, that's a yeah. long-winded way of what caught our eye off the field this week. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the longest thing that caught our eye this week. Yeah, aside from Manchester City. Yes, uh, there's the, uh, it's been a busy week. That's for sure. That's for sure. Both here and overseas. Ted Lasso got the sack. Yes, he did. Far out. This is, look, the reason I brought it up is, yes, managers get sacked all the time and it's a run-of-the-mill story, but I want to look at it from a governance perspective, those running Leeds United. Why? Just, that's the question. Why? Because they're going to get relegated. Because, because, no, but the, the problem is, you give him the entirety of January to bring in his signings, his players, you bring in Chris Armas, his backroom staff, a week after the window closes, not even, you sack the manager. Weston McKenney, there, one of their last signings, he only came off on the bench, came off the bench against Forrest on the weekend. Right? It's the same situation as Thomas Tuchel back in August, yeah. September. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Like, why? How are these clubs giving a manager the transfer window to sign the players they want to sign, and then a week after the window closes, you sack them, you bring someone else in, and, oh, well, oh, can't bring anyone in now. No, you got to work with what you got. Come, what what's happening here? Yeah, yeah. I uh, don't know what to tell you. You got I a defense, Les? No, I don't. <laughs> Look, I feel for him. I feel for Jesse Marsh, right? But um, I think the reality hit them on the weekend that uh, that Nottingham Forest were going to go down. Uh, sorry, that uh, you know Leeds were likely to go down because uh, Nottingham Forest beat them. I should say so. They're getting close to the box seat now, aren't they? Yeah, right. 100%. Just looking at the table, I think Southampton and Bournemouth, mm. for mine, they look some of the weaker sides down there. Mm. And for those two to get out of the bottom three, I think would be a, mm. a big surprise. 
Look at the other clubs. A lot of them are too big to go down, too good to go down, like Leicester, West Ham, Crystal Palace are pulling away a little bit, but they're in the same category. They're, they're not relegation sides. They'll pick up enough points along the line to steer clear. Yeah. It really, for mine, comes down to Everton and Leeds. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. We'll see how that plays out. Is there anything and else that yeah, I was going to say? Was there anything I, I, else I, I said right? last week that uh, under Sean Dyche, Everton will be A-OK. So that only leaves Leeds from my reckoning, yeah. as a as a relegation club. Yeah. So, yeah, true. But plenty of football still to be played. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Um, what, what else caught your eye, Lars? Sad to see Wrexham uh, depart the FA Cup against Sheffield United. Yes. Great story, though, with Wrexham. Uh, and uh, watch and the space. The owner putting out a, a tweet after the game saying, now let's go win this fucking league. That's right. Well, that's 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, 100%. So and I hope they do. They're, they're not they do. too uh, mopey after going out of the FA Cup. Not at all. Not at all. Four thousand fans away to Sheffield. Fantastic. Oh, it so it really is. Good. It is a bit of a, a Hollywood story, isn't it? Mm. The very true. The rise that Wrexham are undergoing at the moment, and you get a bit skeptical when all the cameras are there, whether it is just all for show, and there's no real skin in the game. It is just a vanity project. But everything that you see. It appears to be genuine that they are doing it the right way, Brian Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhenney. Indeed. Indeed. Very true. There was one other thing. You, you won't like me bringing the topic up. Uh, bring it up. <laughs> it's the story that uh, there's a new bidder for Manchester United apparently ready to jump into the race. Oh, I'm uh, happy to talk about that. Qatari businessman. Yes. Reportedly worth 300 billion US dollars, which is just an unfathomable number. It is, isn't it? And uh, yeah, yeah. Look, to me, there's no such thing as a a perfect candidate to take over something that'll be worth as much as it is. Everyone stepped on a few toes to acquire that amount of money, mm-hmm. but surely there's got to be a, a different, a better option than more money from the Gulf region, more state back state backed clubs, and we see the trouble with Manchester City this week and. There was a lot of protest to uh, your boys getting taken over by the Saudi Investment Fund. And I don't know if the Premier League of the UK government would allow a uh, Qatari to buy Manchester United. Watch this space. Watch this mm. space. That's all we can say. That's all we can say. Look, I, th- I thought that um, maybe because of the investigation that has been going with Manchester City, that's why this uh, Saudi Arabia deal with Newcastle took so long. But who knows? Who knows? Because they would have had to do a lot of due diligence for that. So, but then again, you know, they're, pick, they're missing obvious red flags. So, yeah, the Premier League isn't perfect, that's for sure. Certainly not. Certainly not. So, my Let's boys. Let's cover off our. Yeah. Yes, go on. I was going to say, Sorry. my boys. No, don't. Uh, my boys, Ho Chi Minh City. No good. What happened, Lars? Lost last night. 1 0, away to oh. High Fong. So, we're uh, sitting in 13th, two losses, second last. It's not a great two, start of the season, is it? After two rounds, no. No, it's not, but that's okay. Look, long way to go. Long way indeed. And uh, my boys, the Hanoi Police, they're in action tonight, uh, our time. We're recording this on Thursday evening. Yes. And uh, listener, you'll know the result of that before you listen to this podcast. And they're playing? They're playing Hanoi FC tonight. There you go. At uh, quarter past 11, Sydney time. There you go. It's pretty late in the night over in in Hanoi there. And uh, see if we can find a stream of that. Yes, yes. Uh, 
Interesting whether or not a stream will be found. Um, heading over to the other teams that we cover off, the South American clubs in uh, Colombia, of course, and my boys, uh, America de Cali, had a 4-2 win on the mm. weekend. Against, against Deportivo, Deportivo Pasto. Pasto. Yeah. yeah, and that's two wins out of three, six points on the board, and the boys are looking pretty good. They are, they are, whilst uh, Deportivo Cali had a nil-all draw against Onche Caldas. So there you go. So, so far, I mean, they've only played one game and drawn one, so there we go. Yeah, because they didn't get on the pitch no, the week before, the no, first week of the season. Correct. My uh, so, boy's sitting pretty in second place at the moment. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, um, so this weekend, for, uh, this weekend, for America to Cali, they have. Yeah. Uh, you may remember the name, um, Iago Falco. Yes, yes, the, Sp- the Spanish winger who played for Tottenham many, many years ago and mm-hmm. spent a lot of time in Italy as well. Yeah, he's found his way over to Colombia. There you go, there you go. And I was just about to say that uh, Deportivo Cali, uh, Cali are away to Atletico Nacional this weekend. Whilst uh, you're tough game, yeah, it is very tough. It is very tough. Whilst I'm just trying to find ah, American de Cali are at home to La Equidad, La mm. Equidad. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that this this weekend and report back next week. Yes, the uh, Sydney Derby is on this weekend, Saturday Ooh, night. Yes, Sydney Derby. We should mention. Hopefully, hopefully we can start to get a good game, a good atmosphere again. I haven't mm. seen any reports on ticket sales, but. I think the weather's going to be pretty good for Saturday night, if memory serves, and hopefully that tends itself to be a good game, a good atmosphere. What are your thoughts on the game coming up on Saturday? I think um, I think it'll be a draw, actually. I think it'll be really good to see, though. I think it'll be really good to see. What have you made of um, the young kid from uh, Adelaide who's uh, tearing oh, up the A-League? Aaron Kuda. Yes. He looks Great really talent. good. Mm. Really good, and... I saw this week he's uh, getting some interest from Belgium, I believe it is. One or two clubs over there. They're, um, they're poking over the hedge to see if he's worthwhile picking up for them. And it's, it's full compliments to him for the season he's having. It is a bit of a breakout. And he's had some appearances in the age teams for the national team. And all the power to him. And it just shows Adelaide have one of the best youth systems in the country. And there's so many good players that have come through Adelaide in recent years. Some kick on. Some not so much, but they have a, a real plan there at Adelaide and it is working on the youth side. So more A-League clubs need to focus on the youth and more opportunities for particularly as well with uh, some of the African communities because they're, they're the ones that are coming through and um, really proving their worth. Yeah, well said. Well said. No, look, he's definitely tearing up the league and he's uh, definitely one to keep an eye on. I think that... Um... That he scored a tiny finish, a very tidy finish on the weekend. So it was good to see. Very good to see. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Oh, I mean, it would be the the return match, Manchester United against Leeds on the weekend. If uh, we were able to complete the comeback this morning. Mm. But uh, yeah, now definitely not looking forward to that match because um, new manager bounce. A lot of debate on whether it is actually a thing or not, but. It was in action this morning, and uh, we we get a second dose of it at Ellen Road on the weekend. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting to have uh, that derby actually played so close back-to-back. Yeah, well, it got rearranged from uh, earlier in the year right. because I, I think that, that the... was one of the matches that got postponed Queen. because of the, the Queen dying, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. 
Um, but yeah, looking forward to the Sydney Derby. Mm. Should be a great game. And uh, what about yourself? What are you looking forward to? The this World Club Championship. Real Madrid might be winning a trophy. Yes, a hundred percent. Does that qualify as a Mickey Mouse trophy? Oh, like, stop, does it reach yeah. the minimum threshold for a, a Mickey Mouse trophy? Hey, World Club champions, I'll take that. <laughs> well, what's even in the tier below Mickey Mouse? All right. <laughs> uh, look, you're just salty because Manchester United aren't in it. That's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. So it might be more interesting once Gianni gets his way and we have 32 teams in it or how oh, many. Did you have host. to? You just, yeah, great. Gianni, well done. <laughs> just, yeah. He's got to get a mention, Gianni. Not in every episode. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So I think uh, that's we it. Can have the, we can have the, uh, what is it, the, the Gianni Gallery or something like that. That's Some right. Name that's... for a segment where we can talk about what's what's going on in the world of the Infantino. In, in, the, in, in the world of FIFA and El Presidente. Yes. <laughs> there you go. All right. So I think we've hit the back peg, Nathan. Yes, I think we have hit the back peg. Thank you very much for joining me, Laz. No, thanks. Uh, Thanks for uh, yourself and Kieran. And yeah, it's it just a, a great, uh, great episode. Great week. Yeah. And- we'll say we'll give a, we'll give it another plug again. Kieran Maguire from the price of football podcast. He's also got a book out of the same name and do check it out. If you enjoyed the chat that we had with Kieran. Yeah. We could have gone on for a lot longer, but uh, Kieran had to go and uh, teach a class or, you know, go and do a lecture at uh, the university of Liverpool there. So uh, no, I want to thank Kieran for his time and thank you again, Nathan, and thank you to the listeners. Yes, thank you, listener, for tuning in and catching up with this episode and we appreciate all your feedback and the interactions on the socials as well. Uh, we'll speak to you next week, but for now, I've been Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos. Take care, all.